Welcome. Welcome to Parkview. We're glad you're here. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, we're giving out these peeps today. Okay, These are not for you to eat. They're for you to give to somebody and invite them to Easter. Invite your peeps to Easter. Okay, get it? So, so when you go out, grab some of these and invite some people because we're doing a bunch of Easter services, 14 Easter services, 10 at this campus at Orland, and um, that means, uh, this is the first time we've ever done it, we added a Saturday, so we got one on Thursday, two on Friday, four on Saturday, and three on Sunday morning for Easter so that there's room for you to invite your friends and say, hey, you're my peeps, why don't you come on out? Let me just, uh, it's kind of a polarizing product. How many of you like peeps? Okay. How many of you hate peeps? Yeah, see what I mean? I mean, I can't stand them. I like marshmallows, but whatever that coating sugar junk, nah, it's not good, okay? I'm just saying. So, so I'm not going to be tempted to eat them, but I want you to take them, and everything is written on there, all the times of services and everything, it's all right there. As we uh, continue this God I Wish You New series, next week, God the Transformer, not like the robot kind, but he transforms us. Uh, the week after that, which is Palm Sunday, is uh, God Forgives, and uh, we've invited Annie Dunwald to come. She is the founder of Eve's Angels, which is a ministry that we're a part of that helps rescue uh, strippers and workers in the sex industry, and uh, it's because she was in that industry and has come out from that, and, uh, and we thought, you know, I'm going to, that's going to be part of the message. I'm still going to preach, but part of the message will be an interview with her, talk about what it's like to feel God's forgiveness even when you've come from, you know, pretty far away, Okay. And that's also Mass Baptism Weekend. If you have never been baptized by immersion, um, if, you're part of, if you're part of this church or not, it doesn't really matter. We're going to do mass baptisms. We've baptized uh, 6,000 people over the last 25 years, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's something that Jesus told us to do, something that, uh, that, you know, that, that Jesus did as an example, and it's a way for you, it's one of the sacraments, a way for you to you know, submit yourself to what's gone on in your heart and submit yourself to God. So we're going we're gonna to do that Palm Sunday weekend, and then, of course, Easter, um, a lot of Easter services. It's, it's a good time of the year. Thank you for celebrating my 25th anniversary last weekend. I, I said, if you weren't here, I said, it's more about you than it is about me, and that's because God could use a bush or God could use a donkey, um, and, and then I remembered this week that I have proof of my irrelevance, and it's right here. Somebody... Uh, Somebody found one of my sermon tapes at Goodwill for 49 cents. That's proof of irrelevance right there, okay? Uh, my words are worth 49 cents. God's word is worth everything. That's the whole point. We've been talking about God because the deal with this is if you have the wrong idea about God, and it's going to affect absolutely everything that you do. I've used this Tozer quote a lot. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing. Everything gets affected. That's why we spent several weeks, six weeks, talking about who God is, because we want you to get that, because it affects everything. So we talked about God being our Father the first week, and how uh, you know that kind of encompasses everything. If you understand that God is your Father, then you can really understand who God is. Our Father in heaven, that's how we're supposed to pray. Then we talked about God guiding us, and how he is a shepherd. And we talked about last week about God being I am, the great I am, and that means we are I am not, okay? I'm not, I, I don't have anything to do with running the universe, I am not. That was a good thing for us to remember, because God could use a bush, or God could use a talking donkey, or God could use a Tim Harlow 49 cent sermon. It doesn't matter, because it's about him. 
All right? So today, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Bill Bright says it this way, the amount of trust you have in God depends on how you view him. If your God is small, then you can't have a very good faith. And it affects everything that happens. The kids at Catholic school were lined up for lunch and at one end of the table was a pile of apples and one of the sisters had put a sign there that said, take only one, God is watching. At the other end was a pile of chocolate chip cookies and some obnoxious little boy wrote a sign that said, take all you want, God's watching the apples. I never would have made it through Catholic school. I'm just telling you right now, God bless you, okay? If that's your concept of God, then, he, then, then you're just always trying to outwit him, right? You're just thinking, he's over here, he can't see what's going on over there, or he's not powerful enough. I, I want to show you a picture, and I believe this exemplifies exactly what most people think about who God is. Okay. security guard at a jewelry store, and, and it's really this old guy that's asleep, but they put this fake sign of a kind of tough guy out in front so that if from a distance, if you're looking at it, you're going to think, oh, well, there's a security guard there. Really, there's not. Really, you could go knock over this thing really easily if you wanted to, uh, but, but the sign is there in front to kind of fake everybody out. And I think a lot of us grow up and we get to this place where we're like, oh, all along, I thought God was this bad guy, you know, this really tough guy, this really strong guy guy that could could do whatever he needed to and could take care of the universe but really as I grow up I think he's just this old man who's asleep and not paying any attention and the problem with that whole concept again is is this if you have a small God you're gonna have a small faith which is gonna lead to a small life if I don't have a big God then I'm sunk and the, the faith question here is this would you rather walk across a deep canyon with a big faith in a little log or a little faith in a big one? I'd rather, I'd rather know that the bridge that I'm walking across is big and it's safe. I, that's what I want. And then I just need a little bit of faith because I believe it. See how that affects everything? Tolstoy said, as soon as I became conscious that there is a power over me, I felt the possibility of living. Big God, big faith, big life. That's the difference. Your faith journey might not be as difficult as you really think it is if you'll understand who you're trying to have faith in. J.B. Phillips said, he said, the trouble with many people today is that they have not found a God big enough for modern needs. We believe that God is that fake security guard back behind the poster of what we thought God was going to be, and he really can't take care of my needs. I mean, what could God do? How can God deal with the 21st century? He can't possibly do this, right? Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, that I love, um, he, he wrote it this way. He said, the amount of faith is not as important as what we have our faith in. Some people think having a lot of faith will get you further with God and a better reward in heaven or something. He said, I don't think that's really true. Think of it like getting on an airplane. Somebody could have a tremendous amount of faith in the pilot and the airplane and have a wonderful flight to their destination. But on the same plane, there could be a passenger with just enough faith to only board the plane. And that passenger probably would have a terrible flight with a lot of anxiety, but they would still end up at the same location. It's about the journey. How's it going to go for you? If you believe that the plane is safe, if you believe that the bridge is strong, if you really believe that, then it affects everything in your life. My oldest daughter was just about three and um, 
We, we had her and a little baby at home. I, I distinctly remember one day as I was leaving for work, my three-year-old Rachel said, call me if you need anything. <laughs> I, I don't know where she'd learned that empty sounding phrase. I'm sure it was her mother, but um, all I could do was laugh. You know, okay, Rachel, if I have any problems in this great big world, I'll give you a call. You can help me out. Do you see what I'm saying? If I'm in trouble, I don't need a three-year-old. I need, I need some muscle. I need big. Back uh, in the day when Kurt Warner was with the St. Louis Rams, I got to go interview him at, at training camp. It was the year of his rags-to-riches story, how he'd gone from being a, a, a guy stocking a grocery store to you know, winning the Super Bowl a couple of years later. Just a crazy, crazy story. And he was a great, is a great Christian man. So I got to go interview him. And it's, it, it, they, Ram's training camp at the time was at Macomb at Western Illinois University. So Lonnie and I and, and a video team got to go down there and interview him. Now, I, I, um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen an NFL player up close but they're really big. And so we're waiting to interview Kurt, and it's lunchtime. And so they said, hey, why don't you come and eat lunch with us? So we go into the lunch line. And in the lunch line, it was fascinating because they had every fat, you know, gram and every calorie count. Everything was all, all set up because, you know, think about it. They had some guys that needed to lose weight, and they had some guys that needed to gain weight. So they had everything measured out, everything, you know, figured out. And so I'm standing there looking at all these things that I could pick from about the time the offensive line practice let out. And all of a sudden, these giant men started walking into the room, and they looked really hungry. So I just kind of backed out of the way and let them get through the line and let them eat, because I was afraid they might eat me if I didn't get out of the way. If you are a quarterback, if you are vulnerable, which we all are, you don't want a three-year-old on your line, right? You don't want Tim Harlow on your line. You want some beef on your line. You want somebody who is strong. The more vulnerable you are, the more protection that you need. Try this one on for size. Listen to what God says about being our offensive line. I will go before you and I will level the mountain. That's the kind of God I need. I will level the mountain. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. That's the front line I want. And the more vulnerable you are, the more you need to understand that. King David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh... When enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Why? Because God is bigger than the boogeyman. And that changes everything. That's why another famous theologian said it this way. No, you don't want to mess with us. Got Jesus on my necklace. I know, I know you're gonna go home and you're like, Kesha, wow. 
seriously. Let, let me show you how big God is, okay? I, 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 want, I, want you to, I want you to understand how big it is. Because the problem is, even from science, we can learn how big God is. If God created the world, he created everything. Check this, okay? I want to show you the planets, all right? Poor Pluto used to be down in the corner. I don't know what happened to Pluto. I liked Pluto. He's not there anymore. But, but, but here's the rest of, you know, just the planets that are close to us in their size. Earth and Venus are pretty close to each other, okay? Go to the next. Now you see the bigger planets in our solar system. You can see how much bigger Jupiter is than the Earth. And see how small Mercury is when you put them all together, all right? But when you throw the sun in on it and you look at the whole solar system, look at how small the Earth is. I know, I know this is freaking you out because a lot of you made models when you were kids and you had a foam ball, it was like this big, and then you had a little... They don't make foam balls big enough to be the sun, okay? That's the way that it goes. So, so I want you to see that, but here's, here's where our perspective changes. Let's look out past our solar system. Look at the sun compared to some of the even bigger stars out there. There's Sirius where you get your Exum satellite and Pollux and Arcturus. <laughs> Now you know, okay, but see, how, see, see where it all comes from? Now, now let's go even farther to the bigger planets, okay? Look at that. The sun is just a speck, and you've got all those other planets, and then you've got Betelgeuse, it really is a planet, don't say it three times, and Antares. And, and here's the deal, that Antares is probably not even the biggest. Antares is the 15th biggest, brightest star in the sky that we can see. It is 600 light years away. If you put Antares... In our solar system, where the sun is, it would go all the way to Jupiter. And those are just the things that we're learning about the universe. We don't, we don't even have any idea. That's why I showed this slide last week. I, I want you to see it again. That's why th this is just our, our galaxy and you are here. You and your 49 cent sermon, you're right here. That's how important you are. You're, you're, it's not even a place. It's just like you can't even see it. If you understand that God is that big and he is your offensive line, it changes everything. And when you understand the qualities of God, it does as well. It's been fun to look back on some stories about my kids when they were younger. Uh, I wrote my doctoral dissertation about God and so, you know, my kids were younger, had a lot of good illustrations to throw in there. One day, one of my kids was five or six years old, and, um, and, and she came up and asked a question. We'd been singing this song in church a lot, a really, really horribly obnoxious song that was really popular called He is Exalted. Anybody remember that song? He is exalted, the king is exalted on high. I will praise him and then I need to get high because this song is making me crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I didn't like it very much. And, and so we sang that song over and over again. It was like, the, you know, it was like everybody was starting to move from hymns into praise choruses. And that was one that was kind of safe because it was so boring. It was kind of like a hymn. And so we would sing it over and over and over and over and over again. And one day my daughter came walking in the room and she said, Dad, what is that song we sing? He is exhausted. <laughs> no, no, that's not it, hon. God doesn't get tired, okay? God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was worn out, okay? He didn't go, wow, this creation stuff is so hard, all this creating, man, I'm going golfing, I'm tired. No, no, no. Listen, here's what's important for you to understand. Do you not, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He will not grow tired and he will not grow weary. If he could make Antares and, and, and Betelgeuse and Sirius and the sun and all the other planets that are out there, if he could make, he's the creator of the universe and he doesn't grow tired and he doesn't get weary, it affects your entire life. Small God, small faith, small life. Big God, big faith, big life. Let me contrast it with two stories from the New Testament where people got it or they didn't, okay? Two stories from the life of Jesus. First one is um, the disciples, they didn't quite get this yet. Kind of, kind of a funny story. The disciples, um, they're, not quite, they're not quite getting the whole thing. And, and for some reason, they tried to go out on their own and cast a demon out of a guy. And it didn't work. It's just, I, mean, I, I can't wait to see the replay of this in heaven someday. Because, you know, they walked up to this guy and they said, demon, come out. Because that's what you say when somebody's got a demon. Come out. <laughs> and the demon was like, who are you? Leave me alone. I'm staying right here. And then they were like, oh, crud, what are, what are we going to do now? What, were we supposed to say something? What, what were we supposed to do? Jesus, we need you. So Jesus comes over and he casts a demon out. And then we get to Matthew 17, 19. The disciples came to Jesus in private because they were a little embarrassed and said, uh, why couldn't we drive it out? And he said, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Because remember, God is the God who said, I will level the mountain in front of you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Small God, small faith, small life. There's another story of a guy who wasn't even Jewish. He wasn't even from the background where he really understood God. It's a Roman centurion who had a servant who was sick, and he asked somebody to ask Jesus if he would heal this servant because he loved the servant. So Jesus is going, and he says... And it says in Luke 7, he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to Jesus, listen to this, Lord, you don't need to come yourself. I don't deserve to have you under my roof. You see the respect? That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, Lord, say the word and my servant will be healed. I know how much power you have. I myself am a man under authority. I've got soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to the servant, do this, and he does it. What he's saying here is, I understand who you are, and I understand the, the amount of power that is available to you. You don't need to show up. Just say the word. Jesus heard this. He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel, among you people who know who God is. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. You see the contrast in the story? You, you got small faith, you got a small God, you got small faith, you got small life. You got a big God? Yeah, that gives you a big faith. This centurion understood that, that Jesus didn't even need to come. He understood that Jesus didn't have to, he didn't have to show up in person because God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the universe, and he understood that. That's the difference that it makes. That's the I am versus I am not. Again, Bill Bright, the amount of trust you have in God depends on how you view him. The centurion saw God as the creator, the bigger than the boogeyman God. The disciples still didn't quite have that down yet. Now they did later. They changed the world later. I get that. 
But at that point, they didn't. And that's what I'm asking you today. Is there a situation going on in your life right now where you're like, I- I'm, not sure, I'm not sure God can handle this? Then he probably won't. Memo from God. I am God. Today, I will be handling all of your problems. Please remember that I do not need your help. If life happens to deliver a situation that you cannot handle, do not attempt to resolve it. Kindly put it in the SFGTD box. Something for God to do box. Let me take care of it. One of the fascinating things I I ran into in the study of God and his characteristics was the, the illustration of the arm, the personification of God when he talks about my arm. He tells Job at one point, you know, Job's complaining about his life and he says, Job, do you have an arm like God's? I just wonder, you know, if he like flexed and, you know, showed the Rocky Mountains or something. I, I, I mean, that, that's, it's impressive to a guy to meet a guy who has big arms. I mean, I, 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 I wish I had big arms. Right now, I'm just trying to keep them from flapping underneath. That's all I'm doing, working out. But I literally did a study of the arms of God, and it fascinated me. Just listen to a couple of these. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are in it, and I give it to anyone I please. God's, God's got big arms. Listen, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth with your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. And it's interesting, a lot of times when you read through these scriptures and God says, I've got a big arm, he talks about a big arm. He doesn't talk about big arms, plural. It's almost as if, it's almost as if he's saying, look, I can take care of your problems with one hand tied behind my back. That's how big I am. Doesn't that make you feel better about your dad? To know he's big. I mean, when you, when you were a little kid, you know, I mean, did, weren't, weren't we always in that situation where you wanted your dad to be, you know, the big guy? You know, my dad can beat up your dad. I heard some kids talking on the schoolyard one day. One kid said, my dad can beat up your dad. And the other kid said, big deal, so can my mom. <laughs> That's not good, okay? That's just not good. One, one of the other important qualities about God and his arm is the reach of his arm. If you followed boxing back in the day, Muhammad Ali was one of the greatest ever because he had such long arms. He could get to people before they could get to him. Listen to this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Isn't that funny? Well, he asked Isaiah in Isaiah, was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? I mean, I just picture, you know, God doing a little Tyrannosaurus, you know, impression. Hey, Moses, do you think I can't do this? You know, I've got a pretty good reach. I have pretty good, pretty good strength. You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Are my arms too weak? Are my arms too short? No, they're not. So, so process this when Jesus gets into the Sermon on the Mount and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. It's, it's not really about you. It's about your understanding of God. Do you see? Why should you not worry? Because nobody can beat up your dad. And he goes on in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, why are you worried about your life? Why are you worried about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or, or any of those things? Your, your father in heaven, he takes care of the birds and the flowers. Surely he can take care of you. My prayer for you and me, as we talk about God and how big he is, 
is not that God will get any bigger because he can't get any bigger, and not that he'll get any stronger because he can't get any stronger. It's about the fact that we need to be able to see that. We need to have the eyes of faith so we can see the big God. Then we'll have the big faith. Then we'll have the big life. It's a great story about that in the Old Testament. The prophet Elisha, he's, uh, he's being chased by this evil king <clears throat> who wants to kill him. And it's just Elisha and a small entourage of, of servants that he's got around him. And this, <clears throat> this king is like, you know, got these armies. And he's chasing down Elisha. And 2 Kings 6, when the servant... <clears throat> When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Maybe that's the situation you find yourself in today. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like, man, I just I feel like I'm being oppressed at every level of my life. Like there, there's just an army all around me. What you need to understand is that there is a big God with big arms that is ready to help you. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I think the servant kind of looked around and thought, have you been to Colorado, dude? Because all I see is a few of us and there's a whole army out there. But he wasn't seeing the supernatural side of things. And Elisha prayed, here's my prayer for you. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked up and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, full of angels, chariots of fire, mounted on horses all around Elisha. Sometimes it's just because we can't see. Sometimes it's just, you just need to ask that, that same thing of God. Open my eyes so that I can see your power. I can see how strong you are. Apostle Paul said it this way. If God is for us, who can be against us? Would you just say that with me? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, we don't have anything to worry about. I know it's not always going to be easy. I know there may be some situations in your life right now that you don't understand. I get that. But if you understand how big God is, then you can have a big faith, and he can help you. He can go before you and level the mountain. He is your dad, he's got big arms, and he loves you. And that changes everything. Farmer wrote about an experience that illustrated uh, the whole big God thing to me in a really cool way. He said he had a partner, and they had a tractor, and a lot of times he said what I would do is he would drive the tractor and I would stand behind him, behind him one foot at a time on a two-inch wide drawbar that was behind the tractor. And I would hold on to the tractor seat with a good grip just in case one of the many bumps we hit caused me to lose my footing altogether. It was a very hazardous way to travel, but I'd grown accustomed to it. On this trip, however, I reduced my grip in half because I was holding my son in one arm. Along the way, this happens to me a lot, along the way, the outright stupidity of what I was doing struck me. In a few seconds, a fear raged, and I began to look at where I might attempt to roll if I should fall off and how I would best protect my son in such a circumstance so he didn't get run over by the combine. At the peak of my panic, I turned to my son to see what he was thinking. 
It was amazing. With the wind pushing back his hair and the sound of the old tractor roaring in his ears, he was ecstatic. His face was aglow and his eyes danced with delight. The bouncing only made him more jovial. He even rested one arm around my collar while he waved the other in the current of the rushing air. Not only was he totally oblivious to the danger at hand, he was thoroughly enjoying it. For him, there was no danger. As far as he was concerned, everything was fine. How often, this guy wrote, since that day, have I told myself that no matter how complex the problem or how imminent the danger, there is only one safe place for me, safe in my Father's arms. God, I pray that you will open our eyes and we will see the hills full of the supernatural power that you have given us. We will see the hills full of the horses and chariots of fire, that we will understand that you are the God who made Antares, that you are the God who made our solar system, that you are the God who made our galaxy, and I am here. I am not. I'm just a, I'm just a little speck. But the, the important part today, Lord, is that we understand that you are, that we understand that you can control everything, that you are bigger than the boogeyman. And whether or not we have Jesus on our necklace isn't really important. What's important is if we have Jesus inside of us, we have your power inside of us. We have you as our offensive line. Lord, open our eyes that we can see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.